Dueling Genre Productions presents... Oh my god, do you see that? When a freak accident strikes McKinney City, ordinary citizens are given amazing abilities. I can move things with my mind. Oh my god, I'm flying, I can fly, I can teleport, and I can fly! Super senses! What, like Daredevil? We are just playing fast and loose with this whole science thing today, aren't we? Now, there are villains. Billy, when you have an arch nemesis, do you just kill them immediately? No. You tie the ropes just loose enough so that they can keep escaping. That way, when you finally do win the day, you can sleep well knowing that you rose to the challenge. Your brain works differently than other people's, doesn't it? And heroes. Leah Markowitz, Gwendolyn Allen, Jeffrey Gibson, Mindy Gibson, Simon Holt, Splendid, you're all here. I'm going to make you all into superheroes. Screw it. Let's go save the day. The Powerful. After I drain everyone here, McKinney City will be mine. I'm going to show this whole city what real passion truly is. And the underdogs. You're all imagining me as a singing, dancing chipmunk right now, aren't you? The people in that store need help, and we can help them in a way no one else can. We have great power, which means they're our responsibility. I mean, Jesus, what's the point of having five freaking Spider-Man movies if we can't even learn to do that? Geek by Night, an original podcast series about five friends running a comic book store with superpowers. You're really going to keep running a comic book shop while trying to be superheroes? It might not always be easy, but I think the world could use a few more underdogs. Available at DuelingGenre.com and podcast apps everywhere. Dueling Genre to Spider-Man Minute, the daily podcast where we analyze and celebrate the movie Spider-Man one green gas-filled minute at a time. I'm Zach Luna. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Jay Malone from Geek by Night. Welcome back, Jay. I am <laughs> super happy to be here. This is fun. Heck yeah. yeah. Uh, today we're talking about Minute 17, which begins with Norman entering the, the chamber on this sort of sliding rail system and ends with Dr. Strom saying, Norman, in a confused, <laughs> uh, concerned sort of tone. Uh, <laughs> I love, I just want to start off talking. We, we mentioned this really briefly. Uh, I, just, I just love watching Ernest keyboard stuff. I think Jay mentioned this uh, <laughs> off, off, off mic, but Ernest keyboard work in, in film and television is one of my favorite things. And uh, Strom just... Oh, why... Why does everything run on MS-DOS in movies? (laughs) 
I, I think like, the execute command for this was mm enter, and it it yes. but had to be forcibly pressed. Yeah, like yeah. it couldn't and just then, be like. And then at one point, at one point, like to actually like close and and move the the little the little gurney that he's on up, it's yeah. literally just just slap any random buttons <laughs> that you can yeah. hit, and it'll go it'll go right it'll ahead go. in there. It's so yeah. it's so funny. I. I Keyboards in film and television is so fun. And it's it's a thing where if you experience it once or you notice it once, it'll be stuck in your brain forever. Some yep. shows are pretty good at it, but some shows are really terrible. I um I worked on a TV show for a little while that was like the the best cheesy haven for this kind of shenanigans. Uh <laughs> I was I was hired to play a uh like a lab technician person on uh CSI Cyber. Which was a spinoff of CSI, where uh, oh, they like boy. they focused on cyber crimes. Little Bow Wow was on it, Patricia Arquette was on it, and uh, Dawson's Creek guy from Don't Trust the Bee in Apartment Twenty Three. Um, it Vanderbeek. was James Vanderbeek. Yeah, Vanderbeek. Yeah, it was the Vanderbeek. Hilariously <laughs> cheesy. And my job was to be one of these guys at a keyboard with glasses and a cardigan or whatever. Who, when Patricia Arquette was like, "Find me that guy's bank records," I would hit a couple keys and hit enter. You know, that was like my whole job. And they had a little like, <laughs> yeah, they had a little also, pack of also us. your job yeah, on Silicon yeah. Valley. <laughs> also, my job in Silicon Valley. Yeah, it's my uh, it's my yeah. go to. Uh, they had a little pack of us. You know, about ten or so people that they wanted to have like the same amount of. This, the same faces in the background all the time. So it was like a group of basically glorified extras, um, but they, they kept the same group of us together. So about, for about a season, uh, a, a couple days a week, we would be on set of CSI Cyber. And that the the keyboard shenanigans on that show were hilarious because they would just be like, it needs to look busier. And so then you'd like reach over to somebody else's keyboard and hit something on theirs and then like bring it, <laughs> bring a file document over somewhere else. Oh, it was just, it's just insane. But the thing is you... In a medium like in a visual medium, you want to have, okay, I see you hitting something and then there's a reaction. So even if it makes no sense, like right. you would run a program by like hitting the one button ages ago and then like, you know, moving a mouse. They they right. want to have the like you slam the key down or you hit two things and then another and then you hit another two things and go. Uh, whereas if you ever watch somebody who's like an actual programmer or somebody who like worked on web design, it's mostly them just reading the screen and clicking like that's about <laughs> all anybody <laughs> ever does when they're working right. you know day to day but these just these like command prompt things i love so i think that's why yeah, that's why dare i say it mm. i i prefer i i you know i thank every day that uh minority report showed up because it changed <sighs> this whole thing forever oh yeah um, yeah because <laughs> now it's like it's like yeah no we we've now uh, graduated to n from not real keyboard movements to just not real computers in general. Yeah. And yeah. so now like nothing matters, like yeah. just wave your hands around and we'll make it look right. And we'll fit something in there later. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, <laughs> there was a moment I, earlier um, in this season when we were talking about the, um, the opening title sequence, when I was learning about all of these different companies that make the opening title sequences for movies and TV shows. Another thing that a lot of them do is, are, they're brought in to do little tiny bit effects work that mostly focuses on computer interfaces. So sometimes like until very late in the process, you won't have those computer interfaces or it'll be, it's too much work for the people that are working on like the superhero punches in the flight to be dealing with. So there'll be another separate company often that's working on the title credits being like, Hey, can you develop like an, an interface for Tony when he waves his hand like this, what does that look like? And, and they'll just, that's their job on that show. Like it's another bonus, like gig they can get. It's, 
Mm-hmm. That's ridiculous. Um, but it is nice to see the old, the old school uh, slap and, and turn. Like you hit and <laughs> uh-huh. then you look to see <laughs> yeah. so if the effect this, went through. <laughs> when, when did the, this, this film came out in 2002, right? Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. So 2002, I was, I was 22 or 23 years old and we were living uh, with my wife in Gainesville. We'd been married for just under a year. Uh-huh. And I remember when we saw this film, I was in awe of the flat screen monitors. Oh yeah. yeah. Like I saw that. I was like, Oh my God, those are real. That can't, no, there's, that can't be real. I have to get one of those. And <laughs> I was just, I look at it now and I'm like, God, it, it's, it's so huge. That, that thing would kill somebody if it fell on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, it's funny how quickly that stuff ages, but I, I like that. It's, it's just cartoony enough that it still reads as like a weird lab to me, even though it's like very it, dated tech that's in there. It, you know, it feels like a comic book lab. You know, yeah. it feels like something I would see in a comic, like all these crazy monitor arrays around the room mm-hmm. that are a little bit bigger than they should be with all these crazy colors off them. And boy, was he on the nose for decorating everything in green in that lab, wasn't he? Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's great. <laughs> well, well, as as I uh, I mean, this this dates when we're recording this, but as I posted in the uh in the Facebook group today, uh, you know, it is in continuity that Norman's favorite color happens to be green. And that's why he chose the green goblin. So yeah. he's just, he comes up with the, the character and I'll make it my favorite color green like that. Yeah. Just one panel. That's all we need. Yeah. Tonight, in, in like modern, like comic books, we'd have like a whole issue of Norman Osborn being like, now why, why does he like the Halloween outfit so much? Like, what is it about goblins that appeals to him so much? But it's just like, yes, a character and I'll make him green. Ha <laughs> ha. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's uh, lovely. I, I also, I, I need to point out, cause this is, this is what I was laughing at while we were watching this. Mm-hmm. Okay. So in the last minute. Norman is like stripping down and he like, he takes off his button down. He's got a, he's got a, a tank underneath mm-hmm. uh, and you're like, okay, cool. So he's going to go in the tank. Nope. He's going to take the tank off. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, all right. right. I'm going to yep. take the tank off. All right, fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and now, now he's on the bo- the thing and he goes wheeling past uh, Strom as he's entering the chamber. He's, he's completely naked from the waist up and from the waist down is just complete business. Like he's got <laughs> business socks. He's still got his business shoes on. He's got his slacks. It's business on bottom party oh. on the top. We, and this is a great insert we get of when the gas actually comes up that is right on his super polished, like Oxford shoes or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> like, I don't know. Like who insisted on this? I mean, I, I guess like, okay, like we were saying yesterday, Thermion argument wise that, uh, okay, so it's a vapor inhalation type thing. Maybe the, the more surface skin surface areas exposed to the gas, maybe the better it is for. But if that's the case, you strip naked, man. Yeah. Like, yeah. You go all the way. Off, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you don't <laughs> literally go halfway. <laughs> Yeah, because then because then what you're doing is you're basically doing the equivalent of working out and skipping leg day like that's <laughs> right, right. <laughs> that's what's happening <laughs> and i do know i just know. like this ripped green goblin with these little chicken legs <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Like, yeah, no, if only we'd known that, like, silk trousers block the entire serum. Like, nothing <laughs> yeah. makes its way through silk at all. 
So like, right. <laughs> especially because he has to control the glider with his knees and his feet and all that, other than the, like, the, right. the interface we talked about. He's just like um, tips over and hits the ground. I mean, oh, no, my calves are too weak. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the reality of the situation is that, you know, Willem Dafoe is ripped and this yeah. is like the only time he gets to show it off. Of course, um, yeah, and they couldn't go and, and super so, naked because they needed like a place to put like a harness for him when he jumps through the air and stuff. Right, but. exactly. <laughs> um, and, and so, so like I understand why it's happening. It's just in the context, you know, in the in, like you said, the yeah. what, the Thermian argument. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. In the yeah. context, it's just really funny. It just sticks um, out. It's so goofy, especially because we have two major shots of his shoes, <laughs> like where yeah. they're front and center. They're like, come, it's it. Ah, oh, it's lovely. It, but it, I do, yeah. I, I do really like uh, the 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 very simple uh, effect of how. Okay, so when you're watching superhero movies today, right, mm -hmm. and you're doing a scene where you're seeing like a superhero, like shirtless, or even not, sometimes not even shirtless, just like you know, you're getting a good shot of their bicep or whatever. Right. That actor, like right before shooting, did like. 27 push-ups oh yeah and you know and like a bunch of curls or whatever they need to so that they look incredible on yeah. camera yeah and so all that's happening here is that william defoe's ripped but all he did was not do push-ups before taking his shirt off so he doesn't yeah. he's not like swole he's yeah, just he, he doesn't have the pump happening he's just right. like a lean he, guy yeah right yeah. yeah, and so it it has that effect so that later when he comes out of the 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 fog, he has done the push-ups or the pull-ups mm -hmm. or whatever. Yeah. And so suddenly he's the same size but he's a little more a little more big, a little bigger. Yeah. He's he's more yeah. vascular. There's another recent example of that that I loved um again maybe slightly dating our recording sessions, but uh in Logan, the uh the mm -hmm. the sort of last X-Men film that they that they made at the time of this recording, uh <laughs> um, obviously Hugh Jackman is in incredible shape, like insanely good shape for a man, his age for a man of any age, basically. And there's mm -hmm. sequences in that movie where he, uh, he's talked a lot about this on, on days like that on the show off days where you, um, dehydrate yourself. Um, yeah. you know, like he's got people that help him out that they're so it's safe and all that, but you basically run your body on very low water and you take supplements. Uh, it's, I can't remember what it is that you take, but that dries you out so that you're um, your skin like sticks to your the, like the, the inner fascia and everything and all of your veins pop out and you look like a scary uh, wild animal creature. Uh, so they have right. a sequence in that movie not to spoil too much where he takes like a drug that gets him like in berserker mode to fight and then it wears off and when it wears off he's he's not feeling so good. He's not feeling so down and for that scene they they didn't do the the dehydration stuff and he drank a bunch of water and like bloated up a bit like he got a little puffy and like the 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 physical the difference in like the way his his arms and his skin look from that moment earlier to that it's such a simple little effect but it looks like it looks like he's transforming i'm sure they yeah. you know they enhance it with the lighting or you know touch him up with cgi or whatever but that little bit of yeah your body when you're really lifting and freaking out and all that it changes just the, the way light plays off of you and the way you look. And I, I loved seeing that effect on it. I was like, that is so, so darn impressive to yeah. me. Um, yeah. So we just have, uh, you know, entrance a right now with, um, with Norman, uh, the before. So, so <laughs> I have a, I have a question for you, Jay. Yeah. 
have you so when when I asked you to be on, uh, I said that I had a very specific scene that I wanted you to be a part of. Have you figured out why I asked you to be here yet? <laughs> um, I haven't, but I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna take a stab at it be, just based on the job I do. Uh huh. Um, <laughs> wh- when did the diodes get applied to Norman's chest? <laughs> That's a good question. <laughs> so. So, so my job is to find inconsistencies and bugs and stuff. That's what I do for a living. And that's uh-huh. the first thing that stuck out to me when I watched this scene was I'm watching it and I was like, when did those get on him? Yeah. Because that that's never happens. There, there's, there's no movement to, to show that it does. When he's on the gurney, it's not on there. No. And he goes up at the door. Yeah. Um, just conveyor yeah. belts him right in there. And, yeah. That's very true. Huh. And suddenly he's all rigged up. That is a good so, You would make a great <laughs> script supervisor, Jay. Yeah. That is a- oh, thank you. <laughs> That is a heck of an eye for detail. Uh, uh, so, so despite despite that, that is actually not, in fact, uh, the reason <laughs> the reason that you're here. Um, the reason that you're here, and I don't know if you have noticed a similarity. Uh, however, you you play a character on Geek by Night <laughs> who uh, gets superpowers by drinking a catalyst and going into a chamber. <laughs> That's very true. Um, and is uh, uh, shot up with a, a vapor of particles. Um, yeah, your origin is actually just like me, my ode to this scene. Um, <laughs> That's fantastic. That's uh, wonderful. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, one of my favorite characters on Geek by Night has uh, this whole, uh, like, um, not uh, I'm trying to say previously, but there's a word for that I'm looking for. Oh, his, his origin sequence is, uh, in flashback mm-hmm. is a, lo- a lovely sort of, you know, great comic booky. uh getting ready to do an experiment, you know, uh, getting a little uh, rash in your decision making and taking it like it, it is of the same cut from the same cloth as this sequence. Mm-hmm. And I I love this. So much. It's one of my favorite characters in the show. Uh, yeah, that's so great. And the whole the whole concept of the two step process, like the two step origin, like mm-hmm. you need the catalyst and the the vapor like that comes directly from this because it's something that I'd never heard of before mm-hmm. and haven't really seen ever again. Uh, and so I just I really liked I really like that the simplicity of that. Of yeah. like this two step process where like you you it's not an accident. Um, mm-hmm. you, you add a step and by adding, making a two-step process, it's like, oh, these two things work together to create the, this performance enhancing thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it works in your head because it's like, oh yeah, but like when you put two chemicals together, you get a reaction. Yeah. And so right. in this instance, you are putting two chemicals together. You're getting a reaction. Only there's a human being between the two chemicals. Right, right. And then that nice... reaction is causing them to have get powers. And so I really liked that. And uh, as a result, uh, yeah, I wrote it into Geek by Night. That was that's that's what that whole thing is, is just an ode to this scene in this movie. <laughs> well, it's 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 so perfect, right? Because you can't have you can't have every origin. This and this is something that when when I was I was young and I was I was trying to write my own comics that my stepdad told me. He said, mm-hmm. you know, you can't have you can't have every origin be a mutation. You can't have every yeah. origin just be cosmic rays. There has to be something there. And sometimes it is just as simple as A plus B equals C. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, it it works so well. And nah, that, that, that Scott, that didn't even click in my head because <laughs> like, like looking at it now, I was like, well, it's so obvious. You know, it's, yeah. it's yeah. exactly what it is. But yeah, no, I mean, Victor is, I mean, 
of course the difference is Norman can eat food. Uh, right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, but, but, but his, but you see his catalyst was, uh, was cut. So you, oh, you, very you, true. You, very true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you drink the concentrate, the so. concentrate. Yeah. The catalyst yeah. thing I love, not just because it, it adds a, la- a layer of pl- plausibility in terms of the, the science of it, but also that, like you said, giving the agency to the character that that's important mm-hmm. in the, um, in the thing, but there's also a sort of like sort of lived in realness to it. Like, um, I, I had to take my girlfriend in for, uh, an MRI recently and, uh, they, there is a whole procedure, this whole, whole sort of like, um, ritualistic aspect of getting ready for a medical procedure where like, you know, sometimes if you're going into surgery, you can't eat for however long beforehand and you have to like take this dose of medicine however long before this starts or for the MRI, we need you to drink this like barium weird cocktail so we can see your insides better. Or when you're going (laughs) in for a scan, you know, that like before you go in, take this thing that'll make whatever thing work. Like it's, um, it's a, it's a step in the process that you can sort of latch your brain onto in terms of like, Oh, I can, I can see myself. Oh, I having to make that decision, having to drink the vial of, poison in Romeo and Juliet or having to like, you know, drink the, the Jekyll and Hyde concoction before the thing that you have to be uh, participatory in it. I love, it's the same mm-hmm. reason I love the, um, the way vampires work in Buffy, the vampire slayer that like, there's a, um, a common version of vampirism, which is sort of the zombie bite version where like, Oh, a vampire bites you. Then you wake up a vampire and you're a vampire forever. And I know a lot of people have done like um, mathematical studies about how that doesn't work at all because everybody would be a vampire in the in the entire planet within a week or something um but i like in buffy to be a vampire not only do you have to be bitten by a vampire and almost drained by them but you have to also voluntarily drink their blood uh in order for the magic to work so there there has to be a reciprocal action there like that there's something really um mystical like you're creating a ritual or something like that 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 feeds into that that mythic feeling of superhero dumb and of you know uh horror and fantasy and all the, the that sort of stuff there's something interesting about that i i i love that moment um i hadn't really like uh linked those two thoughts together until right now but it's always a thing that i've loved about that way vampirism works and it's just yeah, like yeah me too just like this yeah that's so well, cool it adds, it adds a layer of triumph or tragedy to it too right because it's yeah. a conscious decision the character's making you know yeah. if in the case of Norman, it's 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 clearly a tragic result. I mean, although I mean, he's kind of a dick throughout the film, so not really. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but uh, that, yeah, he he's involved in it in a more um, personal way. Yeah. You know? Right. Yeah. Um, it's, it's well, and, and it's actually um, it's it's similar uh, to the the Buffy thing. I mean, you know, I think I think uh, they sort of did a version of that in uh, Vampire Diaries as well. Theirs yeah. is a little different, which mm. is like you don't have to be fed on by the by the vampire. Like that's not a nece- a necessary part of the process. Yeah. What happens? Eat. Yeah. Right. What What happens is that if you drink their blood then you have the catalyst to be turned into a vampire if you were to die with it in your system. Yeah, yeah. I, lo- I love some of the stuff they do with blood on that show because like vampire yeah. blood also heals you from injuries and things like that. So it's- Right, it's so that's- secondary It gives you an excuse. Yeah. Right, it gives yeah. you an excuse to drink it. Like why, then why would anyone drink it? Well- yeah, it, it it like it heals them and things like that. Yeah. Um, and so so the the backfire like the the 
the result of that is like, okay, so you, you try to heal them and then they accidentally die with the blood in their system and then they turn into a vampire or, you know, in the other case, they drink your blood and then you drink from them until they die and then they turn into a vampire. So like yeah. you drinking their blood isn't, isn't a necessary part of that. It's them dying. Dying. Uh, and yeah. I, I, I like that cause it's, it's slightly more scientific than the Buffy mm. version. Yeah. Um, the, the Buffy is a little more supernatural than Vampire yeah. Diaries is. Yeah. Uh, which by the way, if you're wondering why we're talking about Vampire Diaries, that show is, a thousand times better than you would ever want to it's, give it credit for. It's so much fun. You, if you, yeah. if you <laughs> divorce a lot of your like preconceived notions about it, which, like, it's and similar, if you skip yeah. the first like four or six episodes, like yes. when they get over yeah. the look, Twilight was good, so we're trying to win over that audience. Yeah. Once you if get you over s- that hump, if you skip that hump, like the the first three seasons of that show are just work like gangbusters. It's really oh, yeah. fun. It's really yeah. fun. Yeah. Um, I, I, I've found that like later as, as they go along, they sort of get more into just like the, the lore looping back on itself than I'm usually stoked about. I like to have a little more of the like mm-hmm. to life metaphors and stuff like Buffy wise, but in terms of like sure. functional, like week to week serialized storytelling, like it, vampire diaries is a tremendous amount of fun for the, the first yeah. few seasons. Oh, for definitely. Sure. Yeah. It's a lot. It's sure. really good. Um, and yes, um, yeah. <laughs> so uh the so this is good kind of uh you know it's it's a slow minute i don't even think there's really any um other than strom saying norman i think that's the only line of dialogue in the whole minute yeah, uh, yeah. but there there is one important thing here though mm-hmm. you see you you hear norman whimper we lose him in this scene yeah this is where yeah. he's gone there's no recovery yeah. from here so right. like this this is such an important minute because we get to see father figure good guy norman osborne die and from yeah. here on out he's completely consumed by the goblin yeah right. you know, it's 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 tragic it's yeah. it's one of those things where it's i don't in, i, I, I like definitely don't regret, think I, yeah. I definitely don't think it's an accident that this thing that he's going to is a literal gas chamber yeah 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 agreed mm-hmm. it's you know a very very intense uh sort of reference to make but if you're if you're careful with it it does carry a lot of its own weight into that moment and it i just mm-hmm. like you said that whimper or the the look that that he has that like that look of regret or like of 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 worry right before the the gas totally blocks view of him is mm-hmm. I, I i it gets me every time and not like you know yeah. it's not like i'm weeping at this moment of tragedy but i am drawn into the story here i'm not just watching like oh a bad guy become a bad guy i i feel concerned and and when when dr strom becomes concerned you're you're you know right there with him um yeah which i guess we'll talk more about tomorrow but um right it's it's a it's these are tough types of scenes to balance and Mm -hmm. that they're successful at all is a triumph but that this one you know skates by all the like clunky stuff we were talking about earlier and and it doesn't bring it down at all is is very impressive to me. Um, I yeah. think uh, it's interesting that you guys called that a whimper because yeah. I always saw it as a different thing. Um, mm. Although it's related. Yeah. Uh, I've always seen it as Norman holding his breath and then letting his breath out because hmm. he was, he's like, he's ready to this inhale. Is it. Uh, 
Oh. Yeah, yeah. Like, like I he was like that. holding his breath, like he was because af- he was afraid because he was like ah, like like almost like he's having a second second thought, and yeah. then he can't hold his breath any longer and lets his breath out as the vapor like hits him. Yeah, yeah, that works that. too. That works yeah. too. I think it's just it's the the look in his eyes. I think is the thing. Oh, that he's definitely worried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that For sure, made it seem slightly more romantically tragic in some sort of like you know self-sacrificing way yeah um so uh so so jay what is your background with spider-man as like a character just in general okay so um so as a kid i i mean i watched the spider-man and his amazing friends cartoon um oh yeah but but i was i was there for iceman like i loved iceman like to this day still probably my number one or number two x-men character um yeah my 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 adoration of Spider-Man started with one of the worst comics I've ever read, um, and it was Spider-Man <laughs> uh, number three ten, uh, and it featured Killer Shrike on the cover. Uh, oh. For all your terrible '90s Spider-Man villains. Oh boy! Um, oh boy! Were there a lot of those? Oh yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I they, they all they all teamed up in the first the first uh, Spider-Man comic I ever read, Maximum Carnage. So oh mm-hmm. oh my. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. First Spider-Man comic I ever read was part three of Maximum Carnage and uh, Carnage had put together like a whole team of the, all of the worst 90s villains. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, boy. That's it amazing. Rough. It was rough. Yeah. Yeah. So, so so that comic is what brought me to the character, but I didn't really like mm. love Peter Parker until the Infinity Gauntlet crossover. Um, Would that have been oh. Black Suit? What, what, 310? Is that Black Suit? No, that was after the return to Red and Blue. Uh, 300, oh. I think, was the last the last Black the last. Suit. Uh, oh, yeah. for some reason, I always I always think of 300 as like the first issue with the Black Suit because it's like very prominent on the cover, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, go ahead. Uh, but yeah, so with the Infinity Gauntlet crossover, I mean, I was there for, uh, you know, it was I was reading Silver Surfer at the time, and it was that's what brought me to it. Right. Uh, but but Spidey was completely in over his head and knew it the entire time. Mm-hmm. Um, but still never failed to go out and try to do the right thing and save the universe. So that's when I was like, okay, I get him now. You know, this isn't Spider-Man yeah. is written by Todd McFarlane with the Lizard, where there was this this weird kind of extra dark and gritty series, which never really worked for me. This was. I'm the everyman, you know, this, this is how I, this is how I go. Great power, great responsibility. Yeah. I have to do something right. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's where I, I really latched on to Peter Parker. Yeah. Where he got his hooks in. Awesome. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I love that. Um, and so you just, you stayed um, as a comics reader, like through, from that, that point on, then you were, uh, was it primarily through comic books that you related to, to Spider-Man uh, or interacted with him, I guess. <laughs> Uh, uh through, well, it was kind of, kind of all encompassing at that point. You know, there was, yeah. um, there were the comics, there were video games, um, animated series. I loved the 1990s animated series, oh, yeah. uh, which holds up so much better than I thought it ever would. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, it, I'm, I'm in the process of rewatching it right now. And I remember trying to rewatch it like 10 years ago and being just like, woof, woof. No thanks. <laughs> um, but I, but it's weird that like I now that I've sort of gotten over that thing in your twenties where you're just like oh, I can't like these th- these lame things. There's nothing to appreciate here. Uh-huh. Um, once you get over that and you sort of like get older and you start like 
enjoying things for their earnestness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I really started to appreciate that nineties cartoon uh, now rewatching it now in my thirties. I, I, I'm actually really liking it a lot. I I'm, I'm the same way. It was one of those things. And it's, I, I've done that with a lot of stuff from my childhood where, uh, you know, like GI Joe transformers, Voltron, you know, stuff like that, where it's just like, this is terrible. I can't watch this when I'm in my twenties, but now it's like, I can totally pop a bag of popcorn and kill three hours watching those shows. <laughs> oh yeah, and, absolutely. Yeah. There's something lovely about that cycle of coming back around. I don't know if I've quite made it there yet, but, uh, the freshness of appreciation for that, um, what is inherently childish in the, the construct, you know what I mean? That like, uh, right. It's no longer, that's not a mark against it. That's just a different type of storytelling, a different type of presentation. Um, you know, and you can do the, the childish approach in a really, uh, unstructured, uh, floundering, uh, lame way, or maybe that's not a, a good term to use, but you can do it in a way that doesn't have care associated with it. Or you can do it in a way where it's like, okay, this is very simple, but we're going to lay out these concepts in their their most effective um, sort of pared down form and they still work. And that yeah. I have a lot of respect for. Um, and mm-hmm. there's a few of those shows like that that still um, do hold up in that in that regard. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Spider-Man. so when yeah. you uh, when you think of Spider-Man, Jay, mm-hmm. um, what what is like your Spider-Man? Like when you close your eyes and you picture Spider-Man, like who are you seeing? Like what, what describe what your Spider-Man is? Cause there's so many interpretations of this character. Sure. Mm-hmm. Like what, 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 is, what, what's the, what's the version that you most like associate with? Like when you think of Spider-Man, uh, who the, is it? The one I most associate with. So from, see, it's, it depends on the medium. If I'm going with comics, it's actually uh ultimate sp- Ultimate Spider-Man, Peter Parker. Yeah, that's right. Um, (laughs) Bagley, gotcha. (laughs) Uh, That one, uh, because there was so much to to try to download and try to get into my head with the history of Mm -hmm. Spider-Man, it was hard to understand the entire continuity and to know what was going on. And like, I didn't, I had no idea what the deal was with Gwen Stacy until I was, you know, know, in my mid teens, mid to late teens. Yeah. Um, I didn't know why she was important. Same thing. Same same thing with me. I think I I first read uh, when I when I when I first learned about Gwen Stacy. I believe it was from uh, Spider Man Blue, the the Jeff Loeb, yep. Tim Sale yes. uh, miniseries. Which uh-huh. which you know I've said in the past that Ramita is my my iconic version of Spider Man. But I hmm. think I I think I was I don't think I was being honest with my th- myself. I think it's Tim Sale. I think Tim Sale. Mm. When mm. I think of Spider-Man and I think of those characters, I think what I'm actually thinking of is Tim Sale doing Ramita. His version sure, of Ramita. It's, yeah. Yeah. Right. But it's actually Tim Sale. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, for me, for me, in, in that case, it's definitely Bagley. Um, yeah. Bagley is is one of one of those go-to artists for me, like like Mike Waringa was. Um, oh, yeah. Where it's just, if if they have done a version of the character, chances are that's what sticks out in my head. Um, mm-hmm. now from, from a live action standpoint, it's Tobey Maguire and I'll, I'll get to fanboying about Tobey Maguire here in the next uh, episode. Oh, fantastic. Uh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, I just, I love everything that he did as Spider-Man. Um, yeah. all so, right. Yeah. That's, that's good because I, I, I don't think that's going to be true for, um, all of our guests. All of our guests. Okay. Uh, yeah. 
not not all of our guests, but I'm I'm glad that we have some other like earnest Tobey Maguire lovers. Uh, yeah, joining us. So it's good. It's good. Um, all right. I think that about wraps up seventeen. Yeah. So if you go to duelinggenre.com, you can check out uh, all of the all of the podcasts that we have uh, going on over there. We've got uh, Back to the Future Minute, which is going to be wrapping up. Uh, next month, I think we're just a couple of weeks away at this point. By the time you're hearing this, we're only mm-hmm. a couple of weeks away from uh, wrapping that show up. And uh, then we'll be done with that, moving on to other things. Uh, also, this this summer, we've got uh, premiere dates for Ferris Bueller Minute, uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Minute, and, uh, and, and a couple of other ones on the horizon as well. Um, and you know, there's also Harry Potter minute, Lord of the Rings minute, uh, which are still ongoing. And, uh, the, the crown jewel geek Mm -hmm. by night, which we, uh, we talked a bit about, uh, today and Zach and, and Jay are both in it. Yeah. Uh, They're both in the show and, uh, as, as characters. And I write it with, uh, with my good, my good friend and writing partner, Nick Jimenez, Mm -hmm. uh, who you might be familiar with, uh, on back to the future minute. Or if you don't listen to that, then maybe not. He was Um, our first guest on Spider-Man minute. So if you go to the earlier episodes, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, You can can hear us hang out with Nick. That was like two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, so, so, uh, go check out, uh, geek by night. Um, you know, if, if you like, uh, our take on superheroes and, and things like that, I think you're going to like geek by night. Uh, it's a, it's a very earnest show. We do our best. So, <laughs> so sure. uh, so go, go check it out and everything else at duelinggenre.com. And we will be back tomorrow with minute 18. Bye. 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 Bye.